Okay, would you pray with me? Father, we just pray now as we get into the speaking, you will bless these speakers. Pray you will anoint them. And again, I pray every heart will be prepared to receive your word, whether they know you or have maybe fallen away from you or have never known you. May today be their day to receive the story that matches their life. We thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Okay, today is 515 Sunday, which is like a basketball game. People will be speaking for five minutes. If they go over five minutes, they get buzzed, like a basketball buzzer. Can you demonstrate the buzzer? The greatest fear of every speaker is to hear that sound twice because they get 30 seconds of grace and then they, you know what happens. They hang their head in shame as they walk out. It's very delightful for me, but for the speakers, it's not so fun. All right, our, our theme today is being thankful God chose me. And our verses are Romans 1, 16, that says, it's, and this is in the message, it's good news I'm most proud to proclaim, this extraordinary message of God's powerful plan to rescue everyone who trusts him, starting with Jews, then right on to everyone else. Aren't you got, glad it didn't stop with the Jewish uh, people, but it came to us. In Jeremiah 1.5, I chose you before I gave you life. And before you were born, I selected you to be my spokesman to the nations. And today, I think you're going to see that everyone here uh, has been chosen by God as well as you. And uh, we need to be thankful that we've been chosen and rescued by the Lord. So today, I hope you will see yourself in some of these stories. But before we get, before we get started, let me give you the ground rules. Uh, they'll be up here on the, on the screen. Each speaker will come up, introduce themselves. The timer will then begin once they said their name. At the end of five minutes, a buzzer will go off like in a basketball game. And then if the speaker continues after 30 seconds, a buzzer will go off again. The next speaker will come up and take the microphone fund and introduce themselves. And they will walk off in shame. No, they will walk off. And we, listen, if they go over, just applaud them, okay? All right, that's right. The overtime speaker will then walk off the stage. But let me just say this. Many of these folks, this is instructions for you. These speakers will be nervous. They'll be scared, some of them. Some of them are like, Finally, he let me have the mic, but you know. So what I want to say to you is encourage them and just say, sick them, go get them. You're doing awesome, and they're going to be great. All right, your first speaker today is Belle McCarty, my great niece. Give her a big applause. Come on, Belle. Is this on? Hi, I'm so nervous, y'all. I'm Belle, and um, for most people, their salvation story, or their testimony is their salvation story, Um, but for me, I kind of didn't know what to share today because I was saved when I was four, which is amazing, but not very much content for my speech. (laughs) Um, 
<laughs> no, but like, what am I supposed to say? It's a real wake-up call when I was two and I had a tantrum in the grocery store. And <laughs> um, <laughs> so I'm gonna share kind of a more current testimony and kind of an ongoing testimony of something that God is doing in my life. Um, so for my whole life, I felt like God gave me a dream to perform in front of people and sing, but it wasn't very refined and I didn't know what he would have me do with it. Um, when I was little, I wanted to be a Disney Channel kid <laughs> or be on Nickelodeon or be on Broadway or something like that. I just wanted to perform. Um, so I was pursuing acting for a really long time and I failed countless times. I did tons of self-tape auditions at home and I went to a bunch of auditions and I didn't get very many things. <laughs> um, but through the failure of acting, I was still committed to God, and I trusted that he had something great for me, but I just needed someone to take a chance on me and give me like that opportunity that was going to launch me into stardom. <laughs> this brings me to Philippians 1.6, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Sort of my problem for a really long time is that I did not believe that God was still moving in my life and still active in this dream. It kind of felt like he gave me this dream and then he kind of left me to figure out what to do with it. And I was like, I don't know what to do, but I'm a very relentless person. So I was like, you know what? It's gonna happen. I'm gonna make it happen. I was pursuing my dream so vigorously at one point that I pretended to be my parents and I got myself signed to an agency in LA and New York City. And my dad is nodding, because he remembers. <laughs> um, so we made a whole trip out of it, and we went to New York City, and my agent told me that if I wanted to get my dreams, which at the time were Broadway, I had to get some professional theater on my resume. So I was like, all right, I can do that. So I went back home and I auditioned for a part in the Seattle Opera and I got it. And this was right before COVID. So I was really excited about it. I was like, yes, my first professional thing because I'd just been in like school plays before this, but it was canceled. So during the lockdown, I kind of felt like Everything that I had put my identity into at that point had just been halted. And I was like, what am I supposed to do? Like, this is my entire life, and now I, everything is shut down, and I can't pursue anything that I want to do. So that was the point where I really surrendered my dream to God. And that was the first time that I told God, like, you can have this dream, like just do with it what you will or take it away, I don't care. <laughs> um, so he refined my dream from just general performance to songwriting. Proverbs 16.3 says, commit to the Lord whatever you do and he will establish your plans. So this is kind of like my happy ending to my testimony right now. Um, but the Lord has established my plans, and in September, I got the opportunity to go to Nashville 
and to kind of meet with some awesome people who are very connected in the industry and willing to take a chance on me. Um, so I'm moving to Nashville in January. Yay! <laughs> Um, to pursue the dream that God has given me. And it was just crazy, because when I was there, everything felt so obviously laid out. Like, God provided everything for this transition. He provided the connection that I needed to get down there, and he provided a place to live, and he provided the people that poured into my life and helped me make this decision. Anyway, <laughs> I'm so thankful that God chose me, and I'm so glad I can testify to what God will do when you surrender to him. All right, everybody, here we go. Um, my name's Eric. I've been coming to Harbor City Church here for about seven years. Um, I was born in Seattle, and I did not grow up in a Christian home. Um, I don't remember my parents talking to me about God, so I never really thought about God. Um, my parents divorced when I was eight years old, and my mom remarried a man from Hoquiam. So we moved to Hoquiam when I was eight. Um, when I was 10, my mom died in a surgery and was brought back to life. Um, after she got home, she told me what happened. I remember her telling me that um, she had went to heaven and she had met her sister and her mom and she saw the bright light and everything that you, you, know, that you hear about when you die and come back. And um, So after that, I knew there was God. I just knew that he existed, but I, I just didn't know what to do with it or how to handle it or anything. And... Um, I just knew he was real. So, uh, after I graduated from high school, um, I moved to Seattle and I met my amazing wife, Melanie. Uh, it, it was love at first sight. And uh, we were struggling financially. We, uh, we were both working, making barely anything. I was working over 70 hours a week and just doing what we could to survive. Um, wasn't working, so we decided to move back to Grace Harbor. Um, my wife moved here from Colorado, uh, where it only rains about six inches a year. And so Grace Harbor was a big change for her. <laughs> um, we both work full-time, and we're doing our best to survive. Um, it was better here. Um, but we were living a life of sin. We were drinking and partying, and I, we both smoked and... Um, just didn't live a good life. Um, when I was 30, our son Nicholas was born. It was an awesome deal, and I was determined to be a good dad. I didn't think that um, my father did a great job because, you know, my parents went through a divorce, and he was a long ways away. And so I tried to do everything that was what I thought was important. We did baseball and football, and he was a wrestler and did motocross, and uh, you know, that's what I thought was important. So at 35, Melanie's brother, Eddie, talked to me about God. And I was interested. I'd heard about being saved, but didn't understand it. 
he told me all I had to do was ask for forgiveness and ask Jesus into my life. So that night, I laid in bed and asked God to come into my life and ask for forgiveness. And um, But I didn't really change any of my behavior. I wanted it. I just wasn't really willing to do what it took to, to get it. And uh, so then after that, we went through a really dark time in our life. Uh, my Both my mom and my stepdad uh, developed Alzheimer's and we were their caretakers and had to take care of their house and all their stuff and um, we bought a house in Central Park and we were trying to sell our house but there was a big flood and nobody wanted to buy our house in Hoquiam so we were like paying two mortgages and it was just really rough and all everything just seemed to be closing in on us and my son left, went to college at Wazoo, so he left the house, and it was just Melanie and I. And my wife's health, her health was just really bad, and she'd went through so many surgeries that her surgeon said he wouldn't operate on her again. And she was on a feeding tube, and she was losing all this weight, and it was like everything was just closing in on us. We didn't know if we were going to make it. And um, That's when my boss, Brandon, um, Brandon Borden, he uh, he saw our struggle and he suggested we come to church. So I thought, well, you know, I was willing to try anything. <laughs> we came to the Christmas Eve service and we both really, really liked it and decided to give Sunday service a try. And during the Sunday service, I raised my hand at the salvation call and decided to give my life to God. Each service, the worship songs just wrecked me, and, and uh, I just had tears running down my face all the time. And um, It seemed like Pastor Doug, every time he got up here and spoke, it, it seemed like he was talking about what was going on in my life, and it was just a it's crazy deal every time. And uh, so we kept coming every Sunday, and I think I raised my hand at the salvation call four or five more times, because <laughs> I didn't know that you just were supposed to do it once, but hey, whatever. And... Uh, Oh, sorry. After that, things started changing in our lives, and uh, we found a team of doctors for Melanie, and, and he did surgery, and she's been cured from two diseases they said were incurable. And God has changed our lives, and I know he's working with us, and, and I'm just so grateful that everything that he's done for me, I just want him to be proud of me. And... Uh, I would not be standing on this stage if it weren't for Jesus Christ. And I'm so thankful God chose me. Well, I left my tissues over there, so. <laughs> okay. Um, my name is Kim. My husband is Justin. Um, we have four kids at home and currently a Thai exchange student. Um, I find it interesting how prevalent the number 10 is throughout the Bible, um, symbolizing law, responsibility, and order. It's actually found 242 times, um, examples being the commandments, plagues, so on. Uh, the Bible is woven throughout my life in much the similar repeating patterns. As a child, I was raised in Maryland, and my family was active in Assembly of God Church. Um, I went to a private Catholic school, so it was a 
awfully different environment. Um, at 10, we moved and life began to change. Our religious values hadn't changed, but a busy life took priority at home. At 16, I began driving to visit my grandmother to go to church. I traveled to Israel, was baptized in the Jordan River, um, and continued attending youth groups and camps whenever I could. By the end of my teen years, I had shifted back to public school, and my war between the world and God kind of began. At 19, I married a sailor and moved 2,500 miles from anything I'd ever known. He introduced me to various drugs, and I became a pro at living a seemingly respectable life by day and one full of sin at night. Uh, one day, I received a call from my husband. The ship had an emergency and changed course. They docked at a port they had never been to before. In a small bar across the world, a woman who recognized me from a photo in our home decided to tell my husband everything that I had been doing during that time. My world crumbled and I knew I needed to realign my heart. I said goodbyes and cleared the house of things that weren't mine and I started attending church with a coworker. The Bible I actually use today is the one she gifted me all those years ago. Um, after a few more years of trying to repair things, we eventually divorced. And at this point, I had already met the man that God intended for me, but it would be another decade before that was revealed. Over the next 10 years, I met my second husband. And like the Israelites, I had been brought through a trial only to fall again. We hadn't been dating long, and I became pregnant. Fear and doubt led me to an abortion, a shame-filled decision that placed me even further from God. I finished college, started a great career, bought an island home in Florida, and acquired more recreational toys than anyone should have. I worked tirelessly, not because I needed the money, I just wanted it. The problem was, I had lost sight that God's plans were always greater than my own. My illusion of happiness eventually faded, also ending this decade in divorce. The man God had chosen for me finally re-entered my life. And we've known each other for 15 years at that point, and both had struggled through many things. I was still in Florida, and he was in Virginia. Ah, I know I lost here. <laughs> and when I went to visit him for the first time, uh, he took me to church. <laughs> uh, okay. Uh, I hadn't been to church in so long, and I had grown quite comfortable with the idea of never having kids. Um, and here I am going to church and with a man who has two. Okay, God, message received. <laughs> um, so the following year, uh, I sold everything I couldn't pack and moved to Virginia. We became active in the church, later married at a hot dog stand we saw on TV, and added another child to our family. <laughs> in 2018, we decided to move across country to Grace Harbor, an area neither of us had ever been. We were recommended Harbor City Church by the Padolas, and honestly, it started out as a social venture because our faith was extremely watered down. The next year, we added another child, but soon life took a turn. COVID happened, my mother-in-law moved in with us after an Alzheimer's diagnosis, and over the next two and a half years, my uncle passed. Our oldest son's decisions landed him in the juvenile court system. Justin's mother passed, my kid's biologic mother passed, as did another grandmother. The last four of these occurring during this past year alone. Uh, looking back, there have always been amazing Christians beside me. My grandmother, my coworker, the nurse who asked to pray for me at the doctor's office. But God has been the constant. 
this will be my legacy. When someone looks back at their seasons, they'll see me as the strong Christian beside them. I want my family to be kingdom-hearted, gospel-centered planet shakers in this broken world. I have never been ashamed of the gospel, but my personal shames kept me from thinking I was worthy of the deep relationship that I so desperately needed. But just as the song says, a million miles of my mistakes couldn't keep his love away. On the day of this testimony was due, I was still struggling with how to end it. I read my daily Bible verse, which was Psalms 34, 4 through 5. I sought the Lord and he answered me and delivered me from all my fears. Those who look to him are radiant and their faces shall never be ashamed. I couldn't help but smile and say, thank you, God, because not only did this verse so aptly come on another 10 in my life, November the 10th, it also described my walk better than I ever could. You know, she was the one that was scared she was going to cry, and here I am all balled up after she said something. We'll try to get through this without too much of that. So it said it's supposed to start when I say my name, so if I don't say my name, I'm good, right? All right. So, um, you know, Pastor Doug originally wanted me to share my testimony next February. So if my story seems incomplete in certain areas, come talk to me later, and uh, I'll be happy to fill in any details that might be missing. My name is Justin Turner. I was born and uh, bred in a small farm town in western Kentucky as the only child of a single mother, but with a very close-knit extended Christian family. I was saved and baptized when I was seven. I assumed that most of the other kids I hung out with didn't want to hear about it. Thinking that and thinking it wasn't cool led me down a path of what seemed like at the time irresistible temptation. We stole baseball cards, we shoved cartons of cigarettes and logs of dip up the sleeves of our big Carhartt jackets just to cough and get dizzy in a secret hiding spot in the woods. <laughs> cigarettes turned into a lifelong addiction of nicotine. That wasn't enough though. I moved on to getting alcohol from the bootlegger. I lived in a dry county, Kentucky. Or at night, stealing coolers full of beer from trucks, truck beds, which got me a whole summer of uh, probation and a curfew. <clears throat> when that wasn't giving me what I thought I needed, I moved on to other drugs. Living in the country, I did country work. I worked in tobacco fields, hay fields, most of the time, most of the summers. But did I save any of that money? No. Nah. I, I, uh, hold on, I lost my place. No, I actually measured the amount of money I had based on how big a bag of grass I could get. <clears throat> the temptation for a new, bigger, better high was very much navigating my life at this point. I started stealing medication and would take them like Skittles. Not getting the fulfillment that I craved and not having a lot of money, I found out that it was cheaper to make, cook certain illicit drugs than to buy them. Still, I did not realize that the hunger inside, the thing I yearned for most, wasn't in a baggie or a bottle. One day, a friend of mine that didn't have those demons, came to me and insisted that I go with him to the Navy recruiting office. He was very persistent. See, he wanted to be a SEAL since he was knee-high to a grasshopper. Well, lo and behold, I ended up enlisting with him. And a few months after I finished boot camp, a lot of the old crew I hung out with back home ended up in jail. Psalms 139, 7 through 12 says, Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? 
If I go up to the heavens, you are there. I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me. Your right hand will hold me fast. If I say, surely the darkness will hide me and the light become dark around me, even the darkness will not be dark to you. The night will shine like the day, for the darkness is as light to you. <clears throat> Pardon all the sniffles here, you know. It's really loud. <clears throat> After a few different Navy schools, I was stationed in Hawaii where I met the love of my life. I just didn't know it yet. The alcohol use guided my rudder up through the next duty station until I spent a night in the drunk tank. That was it, I thought. What am I doing with my life? Am I just riding the waves? I prayed to the Lord Jesus, please remove my want from these things that are destroying, destroying me. He did. I still didn't want to follow him. I still thought I, I needed to be the helmsman. Not long after that, I got married with a bonus of a bright three-year-old son. God blessed me with two more wonderful children. The problem is that the woman I married wasn't in God's plan. I just didn't listen. There's a lot to this, but due to the time allotment, I will just say we divorced. Now here I am, a single sailor, with sole custody of his two kids and just five years from retirement. I needed Jesus. I just didn't want to give up control. One day I went to the YMCA to work out, and I met a pastor that was doing church services out of the gymnasium. I became a very active member there at the church. I prayed for the Lord to send me a godly woman and mother for my children. He delivered. <clears throat> the funny thing is, when I was doubting his decision, he whacked me in the head with a car door to remind me of what I asked for. I still have the scar right here. Also. <clears throat> she lived in Florida, and I lived in Virginia. So the first weekend, I don't know, yeah, she lived in Florida, I lived in Virginia. So the first weekend she came to visit, I took her to church. I'm not sure if I mentioned that we were going to go to church. <clears throat> Hold on. But I figured if she's already here, how can she say no, right? <clears throat> she said yes like it was ketchup for her fries. <clears throat> then she sang the songs during worship. Yes. See, I was ashamed to show her what I believed in and who I wanted to lead my life. The problem was that even though I wanted Jesus to lead my life, I didn't want to give up the helm. I still wanted to control the rudder. Even after all the answer prayers, I still thought I was just lucky. I didn't give God the glory. Kim and I got hitched at a roadside hot dog stand in West By God, Virginia, on the way to my cousin's wedding. <laughs> Thanks for the reception, cuz. In 2018, we were blessed with another child that God speaks to us through in so many ways. Upon retirement from the Navy, we packed up and moved here, not knowing anything about this place or anyone living in the area, a place neither, us, neither of us had ever been. <clears throat> oh, man. Uh, we met Robert and Amber Padola, and uh, while we were in the process of buying their house, they invited us to church. We went thinking it would be a social aspect kind of thing. Well, God had different plans. We've experienced a lot together since relocating to Grace Harbor. You could say we've been busier than a stump-tailed cow in fly season. Most, mo multiple deaths, diseases of close family members, our, oldest son's our older son's demons, teenage angst, multiple pets passing away, a lack of a good friend base, being blessed with another awesome little human with a mind all of her own for sure. <laughs> On top of the worldly issues that we've all dealt with the last few years. As we're looking for answers or guidance for the turmoil that has made its way into our lives from various sources, Kim said, let's go to the Lord. He knows what to do. That's when it hit me, finally, after all these years. I mean, come on, Justin. <laughs> He's literally been there at every point you've asked him to be, and even when you didn't ask, he was still there doing work. He, went, he, went, he sent you your soulmate, and he kept you safe numerous times throughout the years. Why do you keep running from him? 2 Peter 3.9 says, The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but to come to repentance. 
In September of last year, I did just that. And what a blessing he has bestowed on me and my family. God has pulled me up, righted my ship, and taken the helm. God, you have the watch. 1 John 3, 1 says, See what great love the Father has lavished on us, and that we should be called children of God. And that is what we are. No further entries this page. Good morning. My name is Alyssa Sawin, and I'm up here, so that's half the battle. Three kids. I was wanting to say a joke about the first time being on time to church, but I still was late. So we'll try again next service. <laughs> All righty. Well, I'd just like to start off by saying this story really isn't about me, but truthfully about the grace of God. I grew up in Utah as part of the LDS or Mormon church. This is by no means saying we were the perfect Mormons. I remember hiding our Wendy's takeout bags from my grandparents so they wouldn't know we ate out on a Sunday. <laughs> my relationship with the Lord was purely based on an outward appearance. For as long as I can remember, my dad suffered with some substance abuse problems and at times was both emotionally and physically abusive. This caused a lot of fighting between my parents and the occasional phone calls to the police. Because of this, certain friends and neighbors weren't allowed to hang out. This made me feel isolated and ashamed. I went to church because that was where my friends were and that was the right thing to do. My junior year, my parents officially split up. Things at home were a mess. My dad was calling me on a consistent basis, telling me he didn't want to live anymore and that he was going to end his life. I was dreading graduation. I had signed my letter of intent to go play fast pitch softball at a college in Lamar, Colorado. From the outside looking in, it seemed like the perfect situation. I was supposed to be roommates um, with one of my good friends from my travel ball team. I had a scholarship lined up and everything was ready to go, but it just felt so off. That's when I got the call from the college saying that the coach quit and that they would honor my letter of intent or I could choose to go elsewhere. I jumped at the opportunity to keep looking and stumbled across Grays Harbor College. I had never been to Aberdeen or even Washington for that matter, but after a few Google searches, I was in. Just a few months out from graduation, I was still attending the Mormon church regularly. I remember having doubts and openly discussing them with my mom, but ultimately every single person I knew and loved were LDS, and they were good, so I decided the church must be good too. I convinced myself that any doubts or questions that I had um, were really just my sinful nature and that I should suppress them. When I got to college, I was quickly labeled as the Mormon girl, which I thought was so strange because my whole life I was not Mormon enough. Because of this label, I was rarely invited out and was finding it super challenging to make any friends. Even my own roommates told me I wasn't allowed to hang out downstairs unless I was drinking. I felt like I didn't belong anywhere and eventually decided I couldn't handle being alone any longer and started to drink. For a majority of the next few months, I was drunk. I began getting a different label, the party animal. Everybody talked about how fun I was, but really, I just felt like I was getting more and more lost and had no idea how to get my way out. One night, I prayed to Heavenly Father, begging for there to be more than this for me. I decided I would go back to church. There just happened to be another Mormon playing basketball at the college, also from Utah. His name was Jared. I asked Jared if he wanted to go to church with me. He said yes, and we became friends. Some point after this, he asked me to, get, to go get ice cream with him and his super cute friend, which, spoiler alert, is now my husband, Michael. <laughs> I was absolutely not looking for a boyfriend, but I could tell there was something different about Michael right off the bat. I began asking questions about his faith. I wish I could explain the way his face lit up when I asked him to take me to church. He, um, he brought me to Harbor City, and to be honest, I was in shock. <laughs> this was nothing like the pews I grew up in, and I never knew church could be so much fun. 
<laughs> there was such a freedom from the moment I entered the doors. I loved the church, but I still had so many questions. Um, so Michael set up a meeting with Pastor Doug. I remember being so afraid. I felt like I knew what the Lord was calling me to do, but I was so scared for what that would look like. It felt like making this choice would cause me to lose every single person that I knew. I was terrified for the way that my decision could hurt my family. I took the leap of faith and began attending some small home Bible studies in Westport with Michael's brother and sister-in-law, Johnny and Lacey. Um, my relationship with the Lord was growing, but the only Christians I really knew were Michael's family. <laughs> it was at this time um, that they began expressing some concerns about Michael and I dating. I shut down and believed it was because of my past. I allowed the enemy to get a foothold in my life and began believing that I was nothing more than the labels that had been put on me. I couldn't see past my sins, and I couldn't see how God could possibly love me. I was still getting the calls from my dad, but now I was right there with him. There were several weeks where I struggled with these feelings. Eventually, I made plans to commit suicide. I knew how, and I knew where, and I even wrote a note. Um, that night, I got a text from my sister-in-law, Cassie, <laughs> inviting me to a workshop at church. I wish I could explain the miracle it was in itself that I went. I had been shutting myself in for weeks by this point, but by the grace of God, I decided to go. At the end of the workshop, Pastor Mark Jones said something that is permanently ingrained in my mind. He said, I just have this feeling that somebody here has plans of taking their own life, and I just want to encourage you not to do it. My heart shattered. My Father in heaven saw me, and I was not as alone as I thought. In fact... <laughs> I'm certain he allowed me to be alone so that, so that I would really understand that he is all I need. He was all that I needed the whole time, but I shut him out because of the shame that I felt for who I was and who I had been. That very Sunday, I gave my life to the Lord, <laughs> and then Pastor Doug and Lois took me out to Mazatlan. <laughs> God revealed to me that, yes, there might be certain labels that might follow me throughout my life, but the only labels that truly matter are the ones that he has put on me and the call that he has for my life. Shortly after giving my life to the Lord, Michael and I got engaged. We continued to receive counsel from Pastor Doug and deepen our relationship with the Lord despite our continual shortcomings. In a whirlwind, we were married and then pregnant with our little boy crew. It was at this point that I decided I wanted to take the next steps and get baptized, big old belly and all. <laughs> I wanted my babies to grow up with the knowledge that Jesus loves them exactly as they are and that he doesn't expect perfection, he just wants connection. I wanted my husband, my babies, and the whole world to know the greatness of God and the extravagant ways he had pursued me throughout my life. He was in it from the very beginning, guiding me through every scared, helpless night of my parents' fighting. He was with me as I struggled to decide where to go to college. He led me to the man who was seeking after him so that I could find him myself. God was with me while I pretended to be something that I wasn't just so I could belong. He gently guided me by the hand as I looked for his love in all the wrong places. He was patient and understanding, and he never gave up on me, even when I gave up on myself. He has continued to bless me with three beautiful babies, Crew, Jovi, and Zion. He reminds me of his love daily in the smallest of ways, like two eagles soaring overhead. If you are lost and you are hurting, just get on your knees and ask for God to feel his love, because peace is a person, and he will not fail you. You, Lord, keep my lamp burning. My God turns my darkness into light. Psalms 18, 28. I think they deserve a standing ovation. These guys are amazing. Come on. Way to go, team. It's awesome. Every year is awesome, but that was one of the best ones yet. All right, you may be seated.
We are so blessed. Worship team, if you can come on up. And uh, I, I just feel like maybe you're where some of these people are at. Maybe you're, maybe you're Belle, and you grew up in the church. You came out of the womb saved. That's, that's pretty good. <clears throat> but uh, as you look at things like that, you think, I don't have a testimony. Don't ever underestimate God's grace in your life. And God hasn't forgotten you. He's still in charge of your dream. Or maybe Eric, you grew up without even knowing God. But God sometimes makes us desperate, so we'll go after him. And that's what he did with Eric and Mel. And then Kim, she's raised a assembly of God that marries the wrong guy. Well, just by the way, I heard several references to I married the wrong guy. Just so you know, you're not married to the wrong person. Don't look at this and go, well, I knew I married the wrong one. I'm out of here. No, stick with them. Find God. That's the key. All right? So Kim, through all of that, making her mistakes, all her failures, God finds her. Same with Justin, looking for uh, all sorts of things to fill his life, the void, but Jesus finds him. And then Alyssa, the thing about Alyssa and Mikey, I, I got to do their wedding in Utah, actually. And I had several of her family come up to me and go, and, and they did such a great job of saying, we want Jesus to be glorified and we want Jesus to be lifted up. They did communion in their wedding. And I had all of her Mormon family come up to me, what's communion? And I got to share about the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. So let's stand. I don't know where you're at in your journey, but I know you're not here by accident today. I know God brought you here on purpose. You might have thought somebody just, maybe your wife dragged you here, I don't know, or the other way around. But you're here because the Holy Spirit is drawing you. So with every head bowed, every eye closed. I don't know which one you are, if you're Belle, Eric, Kim, Justin, or Alyssa, but you do. And maybe you just confused religion and forgot it's a relationship with Jesus Christ. But if that's you today and you know, I need to give my life to Christ today, I'm gonna ask you to raise your hand in just a moment because that's the Holy Spirit tugging on your life. And he's saying today, I want to know you, and I want you to know me. And if that's you, would you just raise your hand up high right now? Say, that's me. Keep them up high so I can see them. <clears throat> I see one, two, three. Anyone else? Four. Anyone else? All right. Here's what we do here. You're not alone. We're going to be in this together. We pray the prayer with you, and you become part of the family of God. And just like all of these folks, we're going to help you grow. We're going to help you become the man and woman of God he called you to be. So let's pray this prayer together. Father God, thank you for loving me so much that you sent your son, Jesus, to die in my place. I ask you, Jesus, to forgive me of all my sins, all my mistakes, and all my failures. Come into my life. Be my Savior, my Lord, my boss, my friend, and my King. And by your grace and by your power, I will serve you for the rest of my life. 
In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Let's give these folks a big hand.